0: But you can turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 2. As we consider Rahab the harlot, as Joshua sends out some spies to check out the land of Jericho or the city of Jericho. And this one prostitute hides these two spies. We'll get the entire chapter this evening, so I'll begin reading at verse 1. Now, Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark, that so the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she brought them up to the roof and, hid, uh, and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the roads to the Jordan, to the fords. As soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now, therefore, uh, now before they lay down, she came up to the, uh, to them on the roof and said to the men, "I know that the Lord your God, Lord, uh, that the Lord has given you the land that the ter- that the terror of you has fallen on us, that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have uh, heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who are on the other side of the Jordan." Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in any one because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now so therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house. And give me a true token, and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sister, and all that they have. And deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother and your brothers and all your father's household to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own own head. And we will be guiltless. Whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. if a hand is laid on him you tell this business of ours then we will be free from your oath which you made us swear then she said according to your words so be it and she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window they departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned the pursuers sought them all along the way but did not find them so the two men returned descended from the mountain and crossed over and they came to joshua the son of nun and told him all that had befallen them they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Amen. Well, the book of Joshua certainly is an important transition in the history of Israel. Moses has passed away. Joshua now has taken the role as leader, military commander, and he will be the one who leads them into the promised land. That promise that was made to Abraham four hundred. Uh, years in the past finally is coming to its fulfillment as the people will finally enter into the land that God promised to give them. And we see the meaning or the thesis of Joshua in Joshua 21, verses 43 through 45, highlighting that very thing, that God has given them the land, the promised land they shall now enter into. And certainly Joshua is, is built upon the foundation of Deuteronomy Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings are all built upon the foundation of Deuteronomy. Uh, Certainly, as Israel uh, engages in idolatry, it really is because they violated what was said in Deuteronomy. And as we consider that Deuteronomic history, those four books I mentioned, those four books really teach us or seek to answer the question, how the people got all the way into exile was because they violated what God said by way of his covenant. With them now, Joshua for the most part is positive, Judges is negative, and there's a lot of bad in Samuel and Kings as well. But Joshua really is a positive foray into the land uh, for the people. They do a lot of things right, still have their problems, they are not perfect, uh, but they do seek to do what Yahweh has called them to do as they engage in military warfare, taking the land and executing judgment on behalf of Yahweh of Israel. So the book of Joshua really is all about the land, and it can be structured uh, around the land, entering the land, chapters 1 through 4, conquering the land, verses uh, 5 through 12, dividing the land, verses 13 through 21, and retaining the land, verses 22 through 24. So we're in the uh, section concerning entering the land. Uh, We saw last time how God had commissioned Joshua and how the, uh, the the eastern tribes were going to still go with Joshua, even after Moses had passed. Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh will still go with them. They were to be strong enough, good courage, as they seek to um, uh, 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 do what Yahweh says, and Yahweh has promised to be with them. Well, today, they still need to do some reconnaissance. God certainly is with them, but that doesn't mean you just let go and let God Uh, They still are going to go in, spy out the land, see what's going on, and that's what we see in chapter 2. I think the problem that we do see in chapter 2 is really a fear that does not lead to faith. This was a problem for the pagans. It's a problem for the Jerichoites. It's a problem for the Canaanites, except for Rahab. Their hearts melt. They're fearful of Israel. They heard about Uh, what the Israelites did to Sion and to Og, but they do not acknowledge or confess who God is. They don't seek refuge from this God in this God. They instead die in their trespasses and sins. It's a servile fear. It's not a filial fear. It's a fear of of what would happen uh, uh, at the hands of this God rather than putting their trust in this one God. So it was a problem for the pagans. But it was also a problem for Israel. It was a problem for that first generation. They did not have faith in God. That's why they had to wander for 40 years. And many generations after will not have faith in this God as well. And really the purpose of uh, chapter 2 is to show the unexpected faith we see from Rahab in God's promises. This Canaanite prostitute is the one who confesses the one True God as Joshua sends these spies to spy out the land. So in Joshua 2, Yahweh affirms deliverance through the unlikely faith of Rahab. So affirmation, confirmation, but it comes from an unlikely source, namely Rahab the prostitute. And so we'll look at this affirmation of deliverance under two headings this evening. First of all, we'll see the fear of Yahweh, verses 1 through 14. And secondly, we'll see the protection of Yahweh in verses 15 through 24. So the fear of Yahweh, and then the protection of Yahweh. So let's first look at the fear of Yahweh in verses 1 through 14. And notice in verses 1 through 7, we see Joshua send these spies to determine how fearful the nations are. And so again, we saw last time Joshua is to be strong and of good courage. God would be with him. The second generation is on the plains of Moab. They're ready to enter in, uh, but they still want to uh, get some assurance. So Joshua decides to do a secret mission to view the land. Verse 1. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So it's just across the Jordan. They're going to have to cross that, which we'll see next time. And the first city they're going to have to take is Jericho. So go check out the land. Let's see how the people are responding, Uh, especially check out that city of Jericho. And really, this chapter is structured like a chiasm. What that means, there are bookends. And so it's really Joshua, Joshua, protection, protection, with the confession of Rahab in between. The confession of Rahab is the center, but it's predicated or um, built upon uh, this reconnaissance mission. So he gives this reconnaissance mission: go view the land, especially uh, Jericho. Determine where their, 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 their where their defenses are. Determine their demeanor of the people. The Lord will give it to them, but they still must engage in some planning. They can't just walk in without swords or guns or tanks or anything like that. They still had to see what was going on. Yes, they're going to march around Jericho. I get that, but even if they march around Jericho and the walls fall. They still run into the city with their swords and kill people. So they still have swords and weapons that they need to engage in this warfare. And so notice as well, it's a secret mission. Just two men are sent out to do this, go spy it secretly. That is more for the Israelites. Just keep this between us. Joshua is saying to these men, I don't want the people to freak out again if something goes wrong. So remember that first generation was fearful they didn't trust the promises like Joshua and Caleb did. And so Joshua knows better. and He just says, let's just do this secretly for now. Go view the land, especially Jericho. And so they go. They go into, uh, into Canaan. They cross the Jordan, go into Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. They're hidden by a prostitute, perhaps even a temple prostitute. Uh sometimes I think in our modern context, we like to sanitize and gloss over what she actually was. And sometimes people say innkeeper. She was a prostitute. Uh, she was again perhaps a temple prostitute, and the New Testament calls her a prostitute. So I'm good with calling her a prostitute because it highlights God's great salvation. Um and so certainly perhaps she was inconspicuous with what she did, uh, but also the location. She lived in a secret place, say more. <laughs> Uh, dark place, if you will, along the wall. So she definitely is a prostitute. And so uh, uh, she takes them, they go there, they lodge there, but word gets out concerning uh, these two spies. And it was told the king of Jericho, verse 2, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So life is under threat. The Jerichoites have heard what Yahweh and Israel had done to Sion and Og. So their antennas are up. They're on high alert. It's wartime. And certainly uh, hiding these men would have been punishable by death. It would have been treason. And so verse 3, so the king of Jericho sent out, uh, sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who you have come, who have come to you, who have entered your house for they have come to search out all the country. And so notice what she does. She delivers them by way of a lie. She does lie, but we need not split, split hairs over this very point, because if we split hairs over this very point, we'd fail to see the real significance. You see, sometimes the Bible just reports things, doesn't it? Davis says, it's, it is tragic when people snag their pants on the nail of Rahab's lie quibble endlessly about the matter, and never get around to hearing Rahab's truth, which the writer has conspired to make the center of the whole narrative. These men are in need, these men are are from the people of God, she recognizes that, and she hides them, and it happened, verse, uh, verse four, so she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from, And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. She steers them away. The men are trapped. There's nowhere else for them to go. It shows that her allegiance has changed. She's no longer for Jericho. She's no longer for Canaan, but she's for the people of Yahweh. And she's going to hide the men of Yahweh uh, um, uh, 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 as uh, to, to protect them, which actually shows her faith, which we'll see in verse 8. Uh, Where the men I do not know, pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. They went out, sends the, uh, the king's men away. Verse 6, we have this parenthesis, but she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which he had led in order, uh, laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords or the fjords, I don't know. and as soon as those who pursued them had gone out and they shut the gates. The men are still trapped, but the time has been bought uh, by this unlikely ally to these two spies. And then notice, in verses eight through 14, we see her saving fear in Yahweh of Israel. We see her hearing and her confession. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And notice we see that in verse eight. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. She has this confession that the land is going to be given to them. The Abrahamic promise is going to come about again. Joshua is all about the land entering, taking, dividing, and retaining. The first generation did not have such a faith as she does here. She recognizes that she sees what's happening. She sees what's going on. She's heard about Sion and Og. She says that verse 10 and not just Sion and Og, but also the Exodus. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. She heard about the Old Testament work of salvation. She heard about the exodus. And rather than melting, I mean, everybody else is melting. She puts her faith in God. She puts her faith in Yahweh. She puts her faith in the one uh, that they were see- the others were seeking to find refuge from. She finds it in him. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water uh, of the Red Sea and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. So she recognizes the land is fearful, the land is faint hearted, but there is this power that Yahweh brings. And certainly we see uh, something of that in Exodus 15, verses 15 through 16. About the fear and dread that Yahweh would bring, and how the nations would melt. But rather than, uh, but the other nations, when they melt, they are fearful to their death. But she is fearful uh, that leads to fearful in a way that leads to life. Verse fifteen and sixteen: When the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed, the mighty men of Moab trembling uh, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. They will be as still as a stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. So there was this promise after the Exodus that the fear and dread would be upon the people of the land. And that has been confirmed. So she heard this. She heard about all that had been done by uh, uh, by Yahweh. Uh, Sion and Og are found in Numbers 21, 21 through 35, how God utterly destroyed them. Now, that word utterly destroyed is also important for the book of Joshua. It's that word for harem, warfare, ban devoted to destruction. That's a key word in this Canaanite conquest. We must remember, they're not just Canaanites innocently living their lives and doing what they need to do day by day. They were wicked idolaters. And their sin had come before the Lord. Their sin had been filled up before the Lord. And God, yes, he was this promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But it's also judgment upon the Canaanites. So uh, God would uh, uh, devote them to destruction. That's important, especially with Jericho and the situation with Achan. They would devote the spoil to destruction. Achan takes something. So not all of it is devoted to destruction. So harem is an important term. Uh, God kind of gave them a precursor with Sion and Og, the Amorites, uh, to what he would do when they enter into the land of Canaan. So we'll see that more in Joshua 6, that banned and devoted to destruction language. So she recognizes that. Verse 11, she confesses Yahweh's supremacy. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. It's this terrifying, paralyzing fear rather than seeking the one who is mighty and strong. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. She makes this confession. She recognizes that the Lord is God. This is an astounding confession from the shady lady of Jericho, as Davis says. All of the Jerichoites are afraid. All the Jerichoites, their hearts have been dissolved. They can't do anything. They're paralyzed. They don't know what to do. But she puts her faith in the one she can find refuge. She puts her faith in the one who can protect her, even from the destruction of her own land. The others sought their refuge in idols. She finds refuge in the God of heaven and earth. I heard what he did. I heard about the exodus. I heard about Sion and Og, but your God is God. He is the God of heaven above. He is the God of earth below. And notice she finds her refuge in him in verses 12 through 14. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, chesed, that uh, that language is used of God when referring to his loving kindness, That you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. I have shown you kindness. Now show kindness towards me. She's finding refuge in Yahweh. She's finding protection in Yahweh. Deliver me and deliver my family. And then there is this imprecation here, this calling upon judgment. So the men answered her, verse 14, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, so don't say anything, then it shall be, um, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Our lives for yours, as long as you don't spill the beans, they engage in this deal. Now, this unexpected confession from this lady. Uh, is used in the Bible as a great example of faith. In James chapter 2, uh, I'll get to Hebrews in a minute or at, at another time, in a, another point, but uh, James 2, we see this one example of faith. She is, we see her uh, in the section where James talks about evidences of one's justification. We are created for good works, right? Good works are not a cause for our salvation, Uh, But we are created for good works to honor and glorify God. Yes, we sin. Yes, we struggle. But in our sanctification, we seek to honor and die unto sin and grow into the image of Christ by keeping his commandments. And we can be assured of our salvation by the evidences that we see. And so he's talking about evidences of one's salvation here. When he talks about faith by works as day, he's not saying you're justified by your works But your works are an evidence of your justification. Talks about Abraham, a patriarch. Then he talks about a prostitute. Boy, if a fundy was right in the Bible, they probably wouldn't have Rahab next to Abraham the patriarch. Verse 25. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works? When she received the messengers and sent them out the other way. She received them. She confessed her faith in God, but also sent the men out the other way as a sign of her faith, as a sign and evidence of her justification, as a sign that her faith was not dead. She believed in Yahweh of Israel, but she showed that by protecting the men of Israel, protecting the men who would bring important reconnaissance back to the people. So she's in there with Abraham as an example. Of one who evidences justification. Now, all of this teaches us, uh, uh, her confession especially teaches us that faith truly is a gift, isn't it? It shows forth that faith is a gift and it is supernatural. We don't earn faith, right? Faith is not a work, faith is a gift. Does anybody know in the Bible what explicitly says that faith is a gift? Ephesians 2 eight. that's exactly right. Paul says that very clearly there. You're saved by grace through faith that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Well, Rahab is a good Old Testament example of faith being a gift and a supernatural work of God. Only Rahab. All the other Jerichoites are freaking out. But only Rahab actually confesses. Only Rahab actually confesses. Believes, And it does show in an Old Testament way that faith comes by hearing. It shows that there is knowledge that must be conveyed, a gospel that must be proclaimed. She heard the gospel of the Old Testament. Yahweh delivered this people and did all these things to Egypt. Yahweh did all these things to Sion and to Og. He's the God of heaven and earth. It came by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God. Now, Davis illustrates this by contrast, they are talking about couples. Couples don't just ooh and ah, as he's going to say. Couples need to know something about one another. Even couples who fall in love don't come to love each other merely by sighing or groaning or oohing and ahing. Rather, They communicate, find out about each other, their past, their dislikes, their character, and so on. Even romance has some basis in knowledge. We live in a modern context where we want to feel all the time. We, don't, we have to remember that faith comes by hearing. It is a truth that is conveyed, but it is a truth that, that, uh, uh, that isn't just something conveyed, but it's also God who works through that very truth. And so we see that with Rahab. She even seeks refuge in God, faith seeking refuge in God. Uh, The God that sinners need refuge from is the God that we can find refuge in. That's important, isn't it? The God that we need refuge from is the God we find refuge in, right? Come on, God is the God who uh, we have sinned against, and he will rightly punish sin justly. But the way to have our sins forgiven is finding our refuge in him through faith in the lord jesus christ that's exactly what she does god is coming to bring judgment on canaan she finds refuge in him faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god it is a gift that god gives now thankfully as we continue to walk in the world and live in the world our faith ought to grow and our faith continually trusts in yahweh and trusts in his protection which is what we see in verses 15 through 24. The protection of Yahweh, verses 15 through 24. And notice the kindness towards Rahab, protection promised in verses 15 through 21. Uh, Then she let them down by a rope, verse 15, through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall, and she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. She gives kindness for them by way of escape. Uh, It's a providential blessing. She's a prostitute and her home is on the wall because now she can let them down uh, on the wall there. Go hide in the mountain. There's still those men out there. They're uh, they're from Jericho trying to find you. Go hide in the mountain. And so she protects them, but they promise to protect her. Verses 17 and following. So the men said there, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Unless when you come into the land, you bind this land of scarlet line of scarlet cord in the window to which you let us down. And unless you bring your fathers, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. So it must be in that home the scarlet cord is going to be a sign in the siege that you are under protection after marching around jericho there's still going to be a siege and they need something as a token and a reminder and of their pledge to her and the scarlet cord certainly functions as that very thing and so, so it shall be, verse nineteen, that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. Whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath which you made, uh, swear. Don't leave your home. Don't leave your home, and don't tell anybody. Those are the two conditions. Don't leave your home. Do not tell anybody. Tie this cord in the window, verse twenty-one. She said, according to your words, so be it. She sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. Uh, she is protected. And we see this later on in uh, Joshua 6 verses 22 through 25. After the march, after the walls fall down, after the siege, is we see that she is spared. Joshua said to the two men who spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and from there bring out The woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. She obeyed. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze they put in the treasury of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to uh, spy out Jericho. And Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundations with its firstborn. With his youngest, he shall set up its gates. So she is protected. She is delivered. So there's kindness towards Rahab. But also there's a kindness toward the people. As a whole. Verses 22 through 24. They're going to have deliverance. Notice. The pursuers. uh, The the spies are delivered from the pursuers. And the people will have the land delivered to them. Verse 22. They departed and went to the mountain. And stayed there three days. Until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along. But did not find them. Yahweh protected her. Yahweh protected them. And Yahweh is going to deliver the people. So the two men returned, verse uh, 23, descended from the mountain, crossed over. And they came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told them all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. For indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Joshua The land will be ours. Abraham's promise will be fulfilled. This is a far cry and far different from that first generation. There's giants in the land. Don't go in except for uh, Joshua and Caleb. They're like, no, we got to go take it. But now they actually see, isn't it God good in this time too, to see that, wow, the people are faint hearted and freaked out. Even though they're giants, they're still freaked out. They're still kind of, they're concerned because of Yahweh of Israel who will be who will fight for his people and he has melted the hearts of the people in canaan the land is theirs and lands that word is repeated in verse 1 9 14 18 and 24 god has promised to give them the land the land will be theirs and this one harlot rahab will be part of the people of god they have their promise They have their affirmation. They have their assurance. And isn't Yahweh good to give them that assurance? Sometimes we kind of forget that, don't we? God has given us his promise. We should just trust the promises, right? Yahweh said we trust it. But God is still good to give assurance. Davis says the problem, however, is not that Yahweh's promises are not sure, but that we need to feel sure about them. His words should be sufficient to bolster us, But because of the weakness of our faith, he graciously stoops down, and by a plethora of signs, evidences, and providences, makes us feel assured of his already assured word. And that's exactly what he does for Israel by saying through these spies, truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Now, All this, certainly, uh, there's certainly other places where Rahab is mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, We see in Matthew 1 that she's of the line of Christ. She marries a guy named Salmon. I'm sure they have a lot of seafood. That's a dad joke, isn't it? A bad dad joke. Uh, But Salmon and Rahab uh, beget Boaz. Boaz and Ruth beget Obed. Obed begets Jesse and Jesse begets David. Wonderful. So he's, she's in the line of, of, of Jesus. She's in the line of the Messiah, but she also has faith in the coming Messiah. This is where Hebrews 11 comes in. She is in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 verses 30 and 31 to talk about how the people um, overcame the walls of Jericho by faith. And in verse 31, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. When she received the spies with peace, her life really was saved. She really, you know, her actual physical life was saved and her eternal life was saved. She had faith in Christ to come. She had faith in the promise. She had faith in Yahweh that he would protect her. And he does protect her. She is protected. She is saved. She is in the line of Christ. And what this shows us is that God's grace to save harlots. And that's important for us to remember that God is pleased to save the chief of sinners. He's pleased to save murderers. He's pleased to save harlots. And that's why we ought to be careful before we are quick to make judgment calls on certain people and to shun people. We want all sorts of sinners to come into the church of Christ and hear the word of God and hear the gospel of free and sovereign grace. I'm not calling for an excusing of sins. I'm not calling for a condoning of sins, but we want sinners to come in and hear the gospel and be saved. Davis says, now that can be offensive. We say we can't have that. The church is only for respectable, clean middle class folks. That is like saying that hospitals are only for doctors, nurses, and x-ray machines instead of sick people. Or it's like saying that only morticians and coroners belong in morgues instead of dead people. Who then should be in the church but sinners? The church is not a club but a refuge for sinners who have been touched by the grace of God. Apparently Rahab's past didn't bother the writer of the first gospel. Rather, Matthew seemed to see in Rahab a trophy of divine grace. Astounding, isn't it, that the shady lady of Jericho should be the ancestress of Jesus, the Messiah? Isn't our God gracious to save wretched sinners like us? And when we ask ourselves what differentiates Christians from non-Christians, what makes Christians different? Nothing other than being a sinner saved by grace, right? God saved us, God chose us, God gave us New life. Rahab was a temple prostitute who fornicated for money, but she found mercy, she found forgiveness, she found grace in faith uh, through faith in Christ to come. That is how gracious our God is. He saves sinners like Rahab. Well, let us pray. Our gracious God, we are thankful for your amazing grace to save wretches like us. Thank you for the sweetness of its sound. Thank you for the sweetness of your mercy. And so often we are uh, forgetful of that. We are forgetful of your mercy and grace. Uh, We are undeserving of your mercy and grace. We do not uh, even deserve to come before you and have you hear our prayers yet. We are thankful because of your grace you do so. And so we ask that our church would be faithful in preaching your gospel. Your, our church would be faithful in calling sinners out of darkness. Uh, our church will be faithful to live in light of the gospel that we would seek to honor you because we have been redeemed and saved for we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Uh, we pray that we would know that forgiveness, especially as we still struggle with remaining corruption. Thank you for that promise that if any of us sins, uh, we can confess our sins and you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We ask that you would uh, purge us with hyssop and we'll be clean. We ask that you would wash us, that we might be whiter than snow. Uh, We ask that you would blot out our transgressions according to your tender mercies, uh, that you create in us clean hearts and renew steadfast spirits within us. Uh, And we're thankful that you do so because of Christ, our Lord. Thank you that you are truly the God who is slow to anger, uh, abounding in uh, goodness and truth, uh, who uh, uh, forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Thank you that we see this with Rahab. Thank you that we see this in our lives. And we pray that we would see that in many others as well. So we pray that you would encourage us, uplift us, Thank you for your mercy and grace and thank you that you are a good and gracious God. And may we walk by faith and we long for the day when our uh, our faith shall be sight. So be with us now as we make our way to that celestial city. Uh, bless us and keep us. Make your faith shine upon us, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. amen.